Today I'll be speaking to comedian, actor, radio presenter, television personality, host and writer, Ryan Shelton. Ryan is one of four core members of Radio Karate, the TV production company responsible for producing shows such as Real Stories, the Hamish and Andy Gap Year series, and most recently, True Story with Hamish and Andy. In True Story, Hamish and Andy sit down with everyday Aussies who recount their hilarious true stories. Some of Australia's best-known actors then come together to recreate the amazing tales of these ordinary people in a most extraordinary piece of television. Joining me on the line is Ryan Shelton. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for joining me today. How are you? Yeah, good, good. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Now... Obviously, I, I've been following your career for several years, as I'm sure many of the listeners have been. Um, but <laughs> obviously. <laughs> obviously. Uh, now, yeah. if you could just take a moment, freeze, and take us right back to the beginning of your career, um, right back to where things started. If you could tell the listeners a little bit about your background personally and career-wise. Yeah, sure. Well, I um, I grew up in Melbourne, uh, and I went to went to high school and uh, at uh, at high school. And I, when I was at high school, I used to like watching comedy and watch used to watch Monty Python um, and oh, lots of lots of different things. But used to used to love comedy and always sort of in the back of my mind thought, oh, geez, it'd be great to be. I'd love to be like an actor or some, some something in TV or film one day. Um, and then in in year uh, year nine, uh, a new kid came to came to my high school from another school, uh, and his name was Hamish. And so uh, I became really good friends with Hamish like straight away, and um, and we started making like filming sketches and uh, with another friend of ours uh, whose name is Tim, and we'd make sketches for, like through our media class and little weird things here and there and anyway then when we when we finished school we we sort of kept making little sketches just for fun and then and then we met um or then Hamish met Andy uh Lee at uni and they they got along really well and Hamish was like oh we we sort of shoot these sketches you should and Andy was into similar things and so he kind of joined up with us and we started uh making like little sketches and yeah, and then we, as we were doing uni, it was kind of like our little side, sort of fun project. Um, but yeah, but then we were in we were in in uni, and we sort of then we approached uh, Channel Thirty One, which uh, I'm sure you know very well. Um, Channel Channel Thirty One and RMI TV, and RMI TV had a show at the time. Well, they were producing a show at the time for Channel Thirty One called Raucous, which was their weekly uh like comedy variety show and and we we got told about them by someone i can't remember who and we approached uh the producer her name was christy fuller and we said we just sort of said oh we had a, got a, had a meeting with her and said oh look you know we we make these sketches and and we we're wondering if we're sort of just asking if there's any opportunity for us to make stuff for your show and at the time she said she said, yeah, potentially. She said, we're pretty full up with stuff, but if you can uh, create a sketch um, for next week's show that goes no longer than five seconds, then we should be able to find a spot for it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Talk about and so, Yeah, and, and so we, we obviously didn't have any sketches that lasted five seconds written, um, but we kind of... But we didn't really think it was funny or anything. We just We were just like, wow, God, it must be a pretty 
pretty tight show. Like, they must have a bunch of stuff to get through if they can only fit in a five-second sketch. And, and we're like, but this is telly, you know, this is showbiz. You've you got to do what you've got to do. And so we, uh, we made... We came up with this little dumb sketch, which was the which ended up being the first thing that we that we ever made that went to went to air, uh, which was just this really simple thing where uh, I'm I think I'm sitting at the bar or Andy's sitting at the bar, and the other guy sits next like walks up sits next to him and introduced himself. He goes, Marco. And the other guy goes, Polo. And they shake hands. <laughs> and that was it. Um, so, so that, like, they just placed that, I think, after an ad break or something in the middle of the show. Um, Little, we need to know that a five-second skit would soon, you know, you started off with five-second skits on TV, you've moved on to now, you know, full-hour-long programs. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we that was always the hope, obviously, but we didn't, um, obviously didn't think at the time. Uh, but anyway, so we started doing more of that, and then we did that for a month or two, and then decided that we'd apply for our own show at Channel 31 called Radio Karate. So that was that was our first full show, so it was like a sketch variety show uh, that we made. And, and then from that, and then after that... Um, after we made that, we pay, you know, you pay for all that yourself, as, as I'm sure you're aware. You put all your own money in, and we, it was like six, six half-hour episodes we made, and that went out, and we, you know, showed a few people, but, you know, who, I don't know who saw it. No one really saw it, I guess. But um, once it, it aired, after it finished airing, I decided that I wanted to do a big trip, like a huge, um, like, backpacking trip around Europe. So I booked a one-way ticket to London, packed all my bags, had a going-away party, did all that stuff, and I was sort of set to go away on, I think, on like a Thursday, I think it was. And on the Monday of that week, we got contacted by some producers at Channel 7 who were making, at that time, it was supposed to be Big Bite Series 2, which is an old uh, Channel 7 sketch show, like multi-cast, like okay. ensemble cast sketch show. And... So they were, they were in the process of producing the second season, but they were looking for new, I guess, new cast members. And they saw Radio Karate, our TV show, and asked us if we'd want to come in and audition for this show on Channel 7. And so we were freaking out. Like, we couldn't believe it. But the auditions were going to be the following week after I was planning to go away. So I kind of had to make a decision as to whether I would go on the trip and miss the audition and potentially miss working on the show or or give up the ticket, which was like non-refundable, I think, yeah. and just and just uh, stay and chance and take the chance on this audition that at the time was like kind of out of nowhere and we thought it probably won't go anywhere, but it could be a bit of fun. But I um, so I decided to stay after having the after having the um, the going away party and all that sort of stuff, and having been given presents. I think Hamish's mum gave me a twenty pound note, which I've never paid back. Uh, <laughs> uh, so so yes, I stayed. We did the audition, and we we all got jobs on this show. So Hamish and Andy, they because in our Radio Karate show. Hamish and Andy did like an opening duologue, like a monologue thing at the top of the show. And uh, so they really liked that. And so they auditioned Hames and Andy together. Right. And then they auditioned me and this other guy called uh, Duncan together as well, who was also on our Radio Karate show. 
And so on from from that audition, they really liked Hames and Andy, and so they Hames and Andy got jobs as as cast members, and I got a job as like a supporting cast member and a full time and a writer mm. uh, on the show. So we were sort of all of a sudden in this like channel in in at Channel Seven at the, at the old Channel Seven in South Melbourne, in this office with all these seasoned comedy writers and cast members, you know, a couple including like Chris Lilly was in the cast <clears throat> and Andrew O'Keefe was in the cast um, and a bunch of other people. Kate McCartney as well, who now does catering. Um, yeah, so anyway, so we were sort of these new kids, like young kids who hadn't done anything and all of a sudden we'd been dumped on in this show and... Which was which was awesome. It was really good. We got to. <laughs> I did. I did like the stupidest thing you can do as a writer because it was my first job as a as a comedy writer. I went in like first day, and you know I would have been like twenty two or twenty three, I think, at the time. <clears throat> and I, and so first day, I was like really nervous. Wanted to impress the head writer and all the other writers, and because these are guys who'd worked on Fast Forward and Full Frontal. Like, they're people who have been around forever. Just thrust into it. Yeah, and so first day, in the lead-up to it, I was really nervous, so I wrote a bunch of sketches before I got there, so I'd I'd have stuff to to submit. And and so, but first day, like, I was there, I submitted, I think I submitted, like, 12 scripts on day one. (laughs) Because I was so nervous that they wouldn't like me. So I submitted 12 scripts on day one and then obviously couldn't maintain that pace <laughs> every day. Yeah, I ever did it on day one and um, and then... But yeah, anyway, whatever. So then my first, my first script, I remember so well, my, the first script that, that got approved and got made because I went down... I think I was up in the writing room and then one of the producers said, hey, they're shooting, they're shooting your sketch now. Do you want to come have a look? And I was like, oh, yeah. And so the sketch, the sketch was, it was, a, it was a, a character, like a, the idea was that it would be a recurring character uh, called Smoke Bomb Man, essentially. So it's a guy who gets into really awkward situations and then he just always throws a smoke bomb and then he's gone. <clears throat> and so I went down to a really basic thing went downstairs into the studios and they built a nightclub set <laughs> and like this you know we're just used to like going to the pub you know on Rathdown Street or something and yeah. just asking if we can shoot in there yeah. and but the Channel 7 it was like a real like whoa this is they've got money yeah. or and so because they built this they had like you know 30 extras in there all dressed in nightclub stuff it was so bizarre. It was so bizarre, but it was pretty exciting. So anyway, so that experience happened. The show ended up being called Hamish and Andy. Yeah, maybe if we could just fast forward a bit to more recent stuff you've been getting into, maybe it's sort of, yeah, hurdles that you've faced. But while we were doing the gap year shows, uh, the Hamish and Andy gap year shows, we did that for four years. And near the end of that, I started writing, um, started writing my own stuff, like that, that I would, because this was sort of just after Rove had finished. So I was on Rove <clears throat> for a couple of years doing little weird segments right, that yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. You know, the segment that everyone watched and went, why is that on this show? 
<laughs> um, so, so I'd been doing that for a couple of years and sort of work, you know, developed just this little style and this character that I was playing, yeah. um, and which I just loved doing. And so I wanted to turn that into a TV show of its own. And so I started writing something and that took, um, started working with a few different people and, and that was really great. And then, and then eventually we wanted to, wanted to start, um, pitching it and so we were getting pictures ready and the show was I'd been working on it for maybe a year and a half or something and I think we were like I think it was the day before we were going we were booked in to do our final read through of this pilot script that I'd written and it was going to be a read through with like Hamish and Andy and Tim Bartley who's the fourth member of our production company and our executive yeah, sure. producer and stuff and then also we would, we partnered with another production company called Princess Pictures which is run by a woman called Laura Waters and they produced uh, all of Chris Lilly's shows and uh, a bunch of other stuff as well and so we so that was all set and I was you know, been working up to this day for ages and the night before um, the night before this read through I was in at the office by myself late and and I was like I was trying to just do final things, doing final read throughs to make sure that, you know, it was, it was funny enough and good enough and making corrections. And I just had this kind of and there was this one scene I was doing and I was writing and I was like, oh, this needs to be funnier. This needs to be it's just not funny enough. And I realised I just couldn't make it funnier. Like because it was I'd written this show which was like pretty heavy on the story. Um, probably heavier on the story, less on the laughs, if you know what I mean. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> like heavier on the drama, and so, and so I was like, oh, I need to make it funnier. And then I, and then I thought, no, if only, if only this was more like the style I did on Rove, where I could just do um, nonsensical jokes or editing jokes, or you know, I could throw little gags in there to, to pace it up or speed it up or to make it funnier when it when it's lagging a bit yeah, you can sort and i just thought oh, the story i guess to, to exactly yeah, yeah yeah so like i wish I, I wish i could do that and then i kind of had this like epiphany <clears throat> where i was like why aren't i doing that show yeah. <laughs> i was like why am i doing this show which is more like a, a dramery comedy when i clearly just want to be doing that so anyway so i night before the read through before we pitched I, I just I just decided that we can't do the show. I was like, I just dumped it um, after a year and a half of working on it, yeah, and I, I just something to do with you maybe reading it the night before, and you know after you read or go over your own work. I just know from experience, you you tend to get sick of reading it, and you can't see um, what you initially thought was valuable in it, or was it just that sort of last moment epiphany that you had? It it could have been. I, I think. It definitely could have been that, but I actually, I actually think it was more that I think by the time I'd finished doing the Rove stuff, <clears throat> I reckon I was thinking that as well. I was like, oh, I've done this for a while now. Now's time to do something a bit different. Yeah. Whereas, but then I had the when I had the realization, I was like, oh, actually, I'm not finished doing that stuff yet. I need to do. I should do more of that. I should do that more. Anyway, long story short, ended up. Um, that that epiphany turned into this um, web series I made for Channel Four in the UK called How to Life, <clears throat> which um, which we made at the end of last year and is now available to watch on YouTube. So that was like a, a really that was a moment where I was like, I guess any writer that writes, you always have 
you know, massive highs and very low lows because at one moment, on, on one day you think you're a genius and then like two days later you just think, why am I writing? I'm an idiot. I'm sure you had a year and a half of your life sort of staked on that, that idea. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, which is what made it hard. Yeah, it made it a tricky thing because I not only invested my time but also convinced everyone else to invest their time and energy into this idea that I just, I just knew at the time, I just knew that it wasn't right. If we could just move forward a bit now to your yeah. story and yep. talk a little bit about when that idea was first conceived and if you're a part of that, how sort of just about the creative process behind that. Yeah, it just sort of came about from the idea of going, well, we wanted, we knew we were going to finish Gap Year. We knew that it sort of run its, we'd felt like it had run its course and <clears throat> we were running out of continents to go to. And so we, so we like, we, I, I we kind of felt like we needed a new, a new idea or something different, and we wanted to do another Hamish and Andy show because people, you know, they're popular and people like them, and networks like making their shows. So it really just came about from just thinking, what do they like? What are Hamish and Andy? What do they like doing? What's what are they good at? And what do people like seeing them do? And it just sort of we just I just we just use that as the the parameters kind of, yeah. and ended up just realising, oh, they're, you know, Gap Year is all about them going to all these remote places and hearing people's, like, <clears throat> hearing about their interesting lives or unique situations or cultures or whatever it might be or finding out a funny story. So it was more, it was more a case of, well, let's, is there a way we can evolve that, um, that idea and also create something that has become the sort of the hallmark of their radio show, which is a show powered by the people. So it, it, it really, it's as, it was as simple as that, and we just, and then it, the idea just came from that, thinking, well, let's get people talking to them if they've got one great, incredible story that's funny, and then we thought, well, let's bring it to life as well, because sure, that yeah. would be, that could be really great. How about the the shift in sort of the production side of things, where you've Obviously, make made gap year, made plenty of television before, but I guess true story is a little bit different in the way that you know it's a narrative series. Um, the format is a bit different. You'd be working with different people. Um, uh, could you just tell us a little bit about how that was different? Yeah, no, it was, you're right. It was it was completely different. Like on gap year, our crew was about like generally it was about sort of ten to fifteen people, uh, including us. Um, and that crew would, you know, travel. The, the, the crew, including Hamish and Andy, that would travel the world to get all the stuff was maybe 10, at the, you know, at the most maybe. Um, so, yeah, so when we went into this world where we're essentially shooting quote-unquote drama, like we're shooting scripted drama or scripted comedy, but they call them drama crews, <clears throat> that is it's just a whole different, whole different world, Um we went from a world where we could be pretty nimble, like we could make decisions on the fly and uh, make a big change on the day if we think it's not right because we're really only affecting one or two people. And But when, when we get to True Story and we're making this, these reenactments, the the crews are huge. Like there's sometimes 60 people crews and we've got like, you know, three or four trucks. It's massive. Um which actually kind of reminds me of a funny, a funny experience we had when we first went to Channel 7 yeah. back in the day. Um, 
because we'd done a few hidden camera things on Radio Karate mm. on our Channel, Channel 31 show, and the Channel 7 producers wanted us to do, wanted Hamish Andy to do more hidden camera things. <clears throat> so I think we potentially even redid one of the hidden camera ideas we did on Channel 31, redid it on Channel 7. And when, when we arrived on set to... To, not on set when we arrived at the location where we'd all agreed what we'd do this hidden camera thing we got there and there were like these two massive trucks like on the street <laughs> this shoot. That's not how we did it. yeah but also it was just like well I think everyone's going to know we're shooting yeah. something hidden camera's kind of tough <laughs> you've got massive TV trucks anyway that was a funny side yeah. note story I guess you're um, really moving into a space where obviously you've got more, more of a support network but at the same time the the capacity to adapt and go sort of do your own thing is reduced a little bit. Is that fair? Yeah, to say? And it, it just means yeah, it just means you have to also be more more organised and more aware of the the bigger machine at play. Um, it's you know we've always been really hands on with everything we make. We always because we enjoy the whole process <clears throat> because we've had to do the whole process since we started. So we we like every part of it which is a lot easier to do on a show like Gap Year because it is a small team. But on a show like True Story, it's such a massive um, machine and so many people have to be involved for it to look like it does and for it to come together like it does that you just have to be a really... I guess you need to be good at communicating and make sure the scripts are in at a certain time and you need to have the meeting with the production designer and you just need to kind of have answers is yeah. the thing that we realised as opposed to back when we started we didn't really necessarily know what we were doing we were just sort of faking it till we make it but on this we had to have a pretty clear idea from the start what we wanted because we knew people would be asking you know specific questions So we've been talking a little bit about working with larger groups of people, working different numbers of people. Um, so it's fair to say you've tended to work with Hamish and Andy on most projects. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, the benefits of working in a partnership and working collaboratively with similar groups of people. Um, it seems like that's something you prefer to do. Mm, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, I mean, it's it's really great. I mean... We're, we've got to a point now, I think, where, and this is certainly not by design, it's just sort of happened this way, luckily, where <clears throat> there's four of us in, in Radio Karate, and I think all four of us have like slightly different but complementary skill sets, I guess, if you want to call them that. Uh, like we all, we all have the same taste and the same, you know, if not similar sense of humour and the same, you know, goal, and we all want the same thing. But we all approach a project in a really different way, as a, like as far as like the things that we want to do on it, like the things that I look forward to doing on True Story are like finding the stories <clears throat> because Hames and Andy can't hear them before they get told them on the show. Yeah. But then also the writing period I really like um, because that's one of the things I love doing the most. Uh, and then also the the. the the shooting of it, like the being on set of the, for the for the reenactments, is just great. But then, like Tim, for example, Tim isn't a writer, so during the writing period, he's more like a that's his kind of slightly quieter time. 
Um, but yeah, and y- you know what I mean. Like everyone sort of got different things. So oh, yeah, you all come together to reach the end goal, just just through different means. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my next question really is more about about the show and. Um, I guess its impact on the rest of the Australian TV landscape. Um, so John Wood, who's an Australian t- TV legend, acts alongside yeah. you in the fifth episode. And in an interview recently with the Herald Sun, he spoke really positively about True Story, but was pretty critical on the the majority of Australian free to air TV sort of referenced cheap reality TV shows. Um, mm. And yeah, I just wanted your opinion on. On if you think shows like True Story could usher in a new wave and I guess a new demand from the audience to see honest storytelling come to life. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to have an impact on. I don't think it's going to change television in any way. <clears throat> but I think it is good in the sense that it does remind people that you can make. And we certainly didn't know this. That we weren't sure this was going to happen, but. Um, it's a nice reminder that you can make something that's slightly different and something scripted and funny um, that can still rate highly on in prime time uh, on free-to-air TV. Because I think it's the, the the scary thing for a network to make a show like ours is it's expensive and risky, um, and you can't you can't make changes on the run. Like a show like The Voice, for example is probably a lot more expensive than our show, um, but it's kind of big, glitzy, glamorous. There's big names. It's kind of easy to watch. You don't have to have watched last week to watch this week. All that sort of stuff. But if there's anything that's not working, you can they can go, oh, let's show a lot less of Seal or whatever they decide is not working, and let's now re-edit this episode to make it like this. I think those sorts of shows, they can be a bit more nimble, um, Whereas a show like ours, it's like it's pretty much all done before they air it, so it's a it's a it's a big risk for them. The intro of True Story begins by saying stories are what our great nation is founded upon, and yep. for me, I think True Story seems to represent the best parts of our national identity. Uh, you've got our willingness to have a go, laugh at ourselves, and ultimately be decent, genuine people. Why do you think these re- these themes seem to have resonated with audiences so strongly now? I think I think we love stories. I think I think not and not necessarily just Australians. I think everyone loves something that's captivating and a story that you can sit down and you don't know where it's going to go. Um, and I think there's a real there's a real art. The thing we've realised in making this show is there's a real art to it to telling a story like so many people have a great story that happened to them and it is incredible but so many of those people haven't got the ability just naturally to be able to tell it in a way that's entertaining and then on the flip side of that there's so many people who are so entertaining and funny in how they tell a story their story doesn't necessarily have to be that entertaining for you to enjoy it I think the charm of the show, the magic of the show, when it when it's at its best, is when the we find these great people who are just you know I hate saying everyday people, but they are just everyday people, and they just they just so happen to have this thing that happened to them, and they also just so happen to be great storytellers. Mm-hmm. They're not like auditioning, they're not like begging to be on television or anything like that. They're just 
that's just who they are. Who they are, and I think it's exciting when you're out and you're at a pub or you're you meet you go to a party or something, and you meet someone like that. And those people, you remember those people because they they they're just magnetic, and um, and I think that's hopefully the viewers, the reason they're watching is because they're loving meeting those people. Within the first five episodes um, that we've seen, um, there's an incredible pool of Australian talent on screen. You've got um, big names in your episode, for example, like John Wood and Glenn Robbins. So if you could just yep. describe a little bit about what that was like to work with them. Oh, that was that was wild. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I... Um, yeah, it, we, we kind of... When we started doing the show, we kind of thought, oh, we'll ask all these big names, but they're probably going to be busy or they're probably not going to want to do this weird show for only two days' work or something like that. Like, But we were so... We were constantly shocked that we we would just say... Like, you'd literally just go, oh, who could be good for the principal? And then you'd go, John Wood? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be good. <laughs> and then and then the producer would like put a call into his agent and then the next day you're like yeah John Wood's in oh my God. and yeah. it's like what the hell is going on and so on the day and then and same with Glenn I mean we know Glenn so um, it wasn't as much of a and Glenn's incredible and I love act, I've got to act with Glenn a couple of times and I just love it it's just mm -hmm. a it's really, it's like dream come true stuff. Uh, but John Wood, like you say, he is such an Australian legend. He's such an icon that has done such, like I call it proper acting, because he's a proper actor and and a good one. And then there's me, who I've, I mean, I've done a little bit of acting, but I'm not a proper actor. I've never like trained. I've never done theatre. I've, you know, I'm not like a, I'm not a proper actor. So me acting with him. I'm just shitting myself, and I just—I've never—I've never learnt my lines more than I did for that because the fear of not knowing my lines in a scene with him—I just feel like I was worried that he would just hate unprofessional people, and which is fair enough. So, so it's I was fair like, to I say just, nerves, extreme nerves, extreme nerves, extreme nerves. Yeah, but it was great though. It was—it was pretty awesome fun. There was a bit of a social media buzz around your return um, to the screen. Do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Audience, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, the social media pipes—they were talking. And okay. do you think audiences will be seeing more of you on screen in the future? Um, I don't, look, no, nothing, nothing that's planned. I hope so. Uh, I'm doing a, sh a second season of a show called The Wrong Girl at the moment, um, which is a Channel Ten drama with Jess Murray uh, and um, show. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah so I was in the first season of that in a very small role and so I'm back in that show again uh, in a very small role but I'm not sure when that's coming out but it's probably it'll be later this year sometime so that'll be the next time and, and the only other time would be uh, on my Instagram which I very rarely do anymore <laughs> but yeah other than that that's probably about it great well as someone actively interested in this industry, I was very inspired to hear you talk and talk about where you first started and and the whirlwind that that soon came after. And um, I just hope that um, everyone listening is just as inspired. So, thank you for your time today, Ryan. 
No, a pleasure. Thank you, Nick. It was, it was fun. We can only hope to see more of your you and your work and uh, what that will bring to Australian TV. And yeah, great. True Story returns to TV on Tuesday, August the 1st at 8.40 on Channel 9.